Lord, take the reins of my life. Turn my head towards things I need to focus on and away from distractions. Lead me to where you want me to be and use me for your glory. Teach me to fully submit to your will for my life over my own. I love this prayer because of what the imagery of reins communicates to me. You see, when you have reins on a horse, the horse feels the pressure. We often pray for guidance and wisdom, but we don't always understand how that comes. As we, as like a horse, there's a direct connection between the fighting of the horse and the tension of the rider. The more the horse fights, the more tension is built up. Psalm 32, 8 through 11 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous sing, all who are upright in heart. So, I've grown up on horses my entire life. When you look at these pictures, you'll see on the left, that's my grandfather and me. And then there's me again in the middle. And then my sister and my brother are also included. My grandfather has taught me a lot through my rides with him on a horse. His love for horses started when he was growing up. He had always been around him and was, grew up on a ranch, and he broke horses for his first job. For a long time, he had a feedlot, but then the cattle market crashed, and he had to change occupations to more of a carpenter, but he never lost his love for horses. So when grandkids came along, he made sure that he had some. You see, a horse can't always see where you're leading it, and it therefore might not always want to cooperate with you. But it has to have trust in its rider, and we are often the same way with God. We don't always want to cooperate. However, we can never escape his ultimate control and his sovereignty, and so therefore, God led me here to York. As a typical small-town kid, I only had a couple options. To me, it was either um, sports scholarship, trade school, or military. Going to school just for school didn't make sense to me. As my senior year went along, I didn't have a scholarship offer I cared for, or one that was interesting to me. And so I began to just move towards military service and enlisted in the Marines. Um, as that went along, I had already enlisted and I had a departure date for boot camp. And for any of you who have had experiences with military service, it's not always an easy thing to back out of. However, my recruiter had pushed me to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, had pushed me to pursue an NROTC national scholarship, even though my chances were slim. No one from his section of the country had ever achieved it. So I applied with little hope. However, I actually received the scholarship, and because I had been awarded the NROTC scholarship, I was honorably discharged from my commitment with the U.S. Marines. However, during this downtime between the discharge and accepting the NROTC scholarship, I received a baseball scholarship here to York. After coming on a visit and meeting with Coach Wolf and Coach Gray, and learning that how well they could just talk to me, how good of guys they were, and how much I enjoyed just being around them. When they offered me a scholarship, it made sense to me to come here for four years and pursue, loving, pursue my love of baseball more so than committing to 12 years of military service. So I applied and excitedly committed to continue my baseball career here at York. 
At that time, I had no idea what God was orchestrating behind the scenes. During my first semester here at York, things were not like what I had hoped. You see, in high school, I was a varsity football player for four years, a varsity wrestler for four years, varsity track for four years. I was a three-time state qualifier, two-time medalist, and one-time runner-up in wrestling. I was a homecoming candidate in prom king, and I was even valedictorian. However, as bragging as that may sound, I now humbly say that that was all of a class of 49. <laughs> Unlike many of you, York is way bigger than my hometown, and therefore I needed to learn that I was no longer the man. I had to have a humbling experience. I went from being the man of a small town high school who had a pretty girl and a baseball scholarship to single and in the slump in the only sport he was still playing. My identity as a man or as an athlete was gone, and therefore I didn't have one anymore. I was broken, and I remember being on the phone with my parents and saying, Mom and Dad, I have two choices. I can go and find this guy for real, or I can go and pursue all the things of this world. And to their credit, they said yes, and they hung up. They left it in God's hands. And for about four days after hitting my breaking point, God had things work out consistently perfect for me to always be moved towards him. A series of several things accumulated, and then to the final day, I came on a Sunday night, I had this just feeling that I needed to reach out to Coach Carver, but I had no idea why. You see, Coach Carver isn't even my coach here. He's a track coach, and I'm a baseball player. I'd only ever had one interaction with him, and it came on my visit when he had asked to meet with me because he wanted me to do track. I had talked to him that day, but outside of that meeting, I had never talked to him before. So why Coach Carver? Why did I have this feeling? I don't know other than it was just God. You see, I was putting it off, and because he wasn't my coach, I ignored it. But I came in that Monday, lo and behold, to Coach Carver speaking in chapel. So I finally said, okay. And I texted Coach Carver, and without any questions asked, he just made a time, and we met. As I met with Coach Carver, I shared the things I was struggling with. And he shared a similar story and encouraged me, but he didn't stop there. He continued right into issues and struggles I was having that I hadn't shared with him yet. I actively remember him continuing on looking me in the eye and going, you don't sleep well, do you? And I said, no, sir. He's like, well, I'm going to teach you to journal so that you can wear your mind out so you can sleep. You see, I hadn't even shared that with him. But God was working through Coach Carver. And that day I realized that there are too many coincidences in life for there not to be a sovereign God at work. This was a final coincidence for me, and as Coach Carver prayed over me at the end of that meeting, I felt the Holy Spirit enter my life for the first time for real. My faith that was a fear of hell turned into a faith that was for a love of a sovereign God. You see, when breaking a horse, one of the first things my grandfather always did was use a round pin and run them in a circle, let them kick and jump at the end of a rope. You heard them and you turned them so they begin to respect your presence but you let them ultimately wear themselves out by letting their own fears and anxieties do the work. At some point when they're exhausted, you pull them into you and you lovingly greet them with affection and care. God had let me wear myself out, and when I finally realized that I was exhausted from trying to fulfill myself, he pulled me into him with loving affection and care. So, during that second semester after my freshman year, post-Coach Carver conversation, I was on fire for Jesus. 
I was reading my Bible, asking questions, going to Lincoln three times a week for multiple Bible studies, and a church that I loved. I was choosing to go to church for myself and not for the people around me. I was finding joy amongst trials and building an identity in Christ instead of in my accolades. After that year, I went home, still on fire for Jesus. I began work, but I also picked up Bible studies with people my age and mentored a group of boys my little brother's age. I saw, the God, I saw God work as people around me began to see the gospel. I watched my brother have his aha moment and see his faith grow. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to. I felt like I was where I was supposed to be, and I was ready to be back at York to continue being a light and a fire for Jesus. However, no matter how much we want or expect our lives to go a certain way, God is ultimately in control. My granddad once told me to never let a horse run home, because if you let a horse run home, you create bad habits. They tend to, they, a good horse will always remember where the trailer or where home is, and if you point them in that way, they'll take off running and they'll think they have control more than you have control. So he taught me to ride the horse past home to make sure they ultimately know that you are in control. We go home when we want to go home, not when the horse does. God used a similar concept on me. You see, rather than coming back to York and feeling like I was in control of my life again, two weeks before returning to school, I fell two stories off of a building and compound fractured my fib and tib in my right leg. I was immediately flown to Kearney for immediate surgery. I woke up with an external fixator and a realization that my new identity was going to be tested. You see, I would spend 19 days in the hospital and undergo three more surgeries, all while trying to figure out if baseball, the, thought, the ability to run and jump was all gonna be gone. The three surgeries accumulated into a rod on each bone a bunch of screws, and also a bone graft. The questions and frustrations started coming out. You see, I began this journey on good spirits. I actively remember as they rolled me out on the gurney, looking up at my mom as she was crying, telling her that God is still good. God is still good. But as the days in the hospital grew longer, and I felt more and more trapped, that superficial faith started to be tested. Why are you keeping me trapped here after all you have just taught me, God? Why have me on fire and wasted here in this hospital bed? Why me? Why now? Why at all? You see, after the 19 days, leaving the hospital wasn't the end of it. I spent countless hours on the couch with nothing to do. Everything from showering to eating to simply using the restroom was a chore. I did not walk for six months and doing so taught me how ungrateful I was for being able to run and jump before. However, I did learn also. I continued to read. I continued to disciple people as best I could. I went back to my youth group, and ultimately now I can tell you that I learned how bad I was at accepting and asking for help. I learned how impatient I am. I learned how ungrateful I still was. God running me past home reminded me that life was never going or ever was my own. It is and always will be his to use. You see, while I was at home, he taught me how to rebuild relationships with people that I had severed through anger and hurt in high school. He will always be in control. God eventually led me back here to York to what I am now calling food and water. 
You see, when horses are tamed, they have faith that their riders are going to provide these two essential things for them. And God has provided an abundance here at York. The first part of God calling me back to York came while I was still in the hospital. You see, Coach Carver graciously showed up in the hospital unannounced and unasked. He just came because of who he is. Secondly, came from my baseball coaches, who despite my leg being in several pieces and my future on a baseball field very sketchy, they raised my scholarship and wanted me to come back and finish a degree. You see, I had figured that no baseball meant no scholarship and no scholarship meant no school and therefore no York. But God provided people to encourage me and he also provided the means to bring me back. So in the spring of 2023, I returned to York. People here had chosen who I was over what I could do or achieve, and that brought me back. But it brought me back with a bunch of unknowns. Would I ever use the degree I was pursuing? Would I ever lace up my cleats and play another game of baseball? Would I stay for four years and finish the bachelor's, or would I just get my associates and leave? God never stopped pulling on the reins, and he never lost control. I was merely a horse trusting his rider to lead him to food and water. I found myself lost for much of that semester because I didn't have a heart for the business degree I was moving towards. And with baseball in question, and my, as my recovery continued, I felt like I was wasting my time. I did, felt like I was running on ice and just burning out. The goal at that point was to just get my associates and be done. I wanted to just move on and figure out how I was going to pursue the rest of my life. However, during this time, God brought Dr. Best into my life. A guy who I never thought would be anything but a professor has become a mentor and friend. He introduced me to the idea of vocational ministry and is currently pushing me and my boundaries and reserves on whether I am qualified to do that path. He believes in me more than I believe in myself. God has the reins whether we give them over willingly or not. He is always and always will be ultimately in control of our lives. He is sovereign, and we cannot escape his guidance or miss his plans. But the journey is much easier for us and more enjoyable if we choose to follow instead of fight him. Remember Psalms 32, 8 through 11. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. You see, many of us are wild mustangs who want to run free and do as we please. We want to keep control. We want to feel the freedom of being able to go where we, wo where we want and when we want. We see submission as nothing more than ropes tying us down, but it is not until a mustang fully submits to a cowboy that he is truly free. You see, until the Mustang submits, he has to worry about where his feet are, whether he's safe, and where he's going to find food and water. The pressure's on him to provide for himself. But when he fully submits to the cowboy and trusts in his rider, he's able to be truly free of the worries and anxieties that come with life. Friends, may we let go of the freedom we think we still need to hold on to, no matter what it is. Maybe it's money, maybe it's time, maybe it's your occupation, maybe it's a relationship. Whatever it may be, let it go and submit it to God. May we trust God to be like a good cowboy and only lead us to truly, true food, true water, and true comfort so that we can live in true freedom. Please bow your heads and pray with me.
Lord, take the reins of our lives. Turn our heads toward things that we need to focus on and away from distractions. Lead us to where you want each one of us to be. Use each person in this room in a specific way for your glory. Teach each one of us to fully submit to your will for our individual life over our own. Lord, help us to trust in your sovereign plan. Give us a discernment and humbleness to look back in our lives and see where your guidance has led us to true food, true water, and true comfort and joy. Give us the courage to lay down our lives, our guards, and let go of our wants and desires so that through complete submission, we can experience true freedom in you. May we truly assess our hearts and identify even the smallest piece of our own freedom and cast it over to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your patience, love, and grace as we constantly fight for control of our own lives. Lord, take the reins and lead people in this room to your son and the salvation that comes from the work on the cross. Lead people in this room to all places around the country and world to do great things in your name. Amen.